as we turn to our Bibles in Matthew 6, so that we may continue looking at the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6. Let's pray one, once more that the Lord will open our eyes, our minds, our ears to adhere to his word. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that in your word you have reminded us to pray. And we thank you that this church, people pray. But yet we want to be reminded again, Lord, how we should pray. That we may pray effectively. We may pray in a manner that glorifies you. We may pray in a manner that displays we are your people. So grant us ears to ear, understanding, Lord, that we may understand that nothing may come in between us from learning from your word, that your spirit may make your word be alive on our hearts. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. So last week we had an introduction looking at prayer. And just also to encourage ourselves why we should pray. Very importantly, remember, one of the things very importantly with the prayer is, prayer is about God. Prayer is about God. Prayer is not about you. So that we don't start bragging. I pray for one hour, so I'm the greatest intercessor. I pray for two hours, I'm the greatest prayer man. Prayer is about God. And in prayer, four things are given to us. One, we said, prayer is about the nature of God, who God is. And this particular prayer, we are told, he is the Father. He is the Father we go to. He is the Father who owes a kingdom. He's a king. He is the Father to whom we depend upon for our day-to-day -day needs. But also, we are reminded what this father has done. What has the father done? The father has begotten children. That's why we are called his children. He has begotten his children through his own son, Jesus Christ. And that's why he is the father. Thirdly, we saw also, what does the father continue to do? He has begotten children. So what? What does he continue to do with the children he has begotten? And the answer is, he continues to sustain and to hold fast his children that they may not fall back into darkness. So Jesus reminds us in John 10, 29, that we are firmly held in the hands of the Father, and no one can snatch out of those hands. Paul, in Romans 8, he reminds us of the same, that this work the Father has done, he continues to do it in sustaining us to continue to be believers, to be his children. But also we saw, how then do the children respond to this great work, to the nature of the Father, and the work the Father does. How do they respond? And the answer we had from the prayer is, they respond in obedience. They respond in obedience. And that's why we do pray to our Father. 
will respond in totally depending upon the Father who has done but also continues to do. We totally uh, respond in doing what the Father wants us to do as he has laid it down in the Bible. And so today we are going to look at verse 9 in this prayer. Remember we are told not how to pray. Don't pray with using so many words. Don't pray repetitively. Don't pray to please men. Why? Because before we came to Jesus, we were pagans. This was our mode of praying, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12. We prayed to please. We prayed in competition. If you think about uh, 1 Kings 19, Elijah and the Baal prophets. We prayed to show off. We prayed to manipulate God that he may do what we want. We came to prayer thinking, if I tell God these many words, then he will be able to give me what I want. We came depending on ourselves, our effort to do things, that through that effort, that's when God will respond in blessing us. And Paul says, that's not how we should behave today as God's children. It's different. God has done a job that we don't need to come to God that we may earn his blessings. Why? Because in Christ Jesus, he has given us all the blessings we need. So we should come as children and respond to that. So how should we pray then? How should we pray? Jesus begins by saying, verse 9, pray then like this. Pray then like this. Not like that. Or like so and so. Like this. In, in a sense saying, this is the model of prayer I'm giving you. Do you want to learn how to pray? Jesus says, this is how you should learn to pray. How? Pray like this. This is Jesus speaking. This is not any man speaking. This is Jesus speaking. You want to pray? This is how you should pray. How then should we pray? He begins by saying, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. Now let me tell you this. We, at many times, we have thought, anyone can pray this prayer. Anyone can pray this prayer. But Jesus is very categorical on who should be praying. Jesus, in these words, our Father in heaven, he marks, he lays a mark, he marks a division. That there are people who will pray, and there are people who are not going to do it, to pray. He puts a fence around prayer. That who is going to pray? It's these kinds of people who are fenced out by God, and they call God the Father. It's not everyone. So Jesus begins, we look at our Father. Who is the Father? Or who are these who call God the Father? We have read John 1 as Brother Eric was praying. John 1 from verse 10. Verse 12 is clear. As many as believed in him, he gave them the right to become children of God. 
So who are these that call God the Father? The fence is marked out and is fenced well. The padlock is locked. No one can get in. Why? Because only these who call God the Father, who have believed in Jesus Christ, are the only ones who pray. It's not everyone. In John 9.31, we have a verse that says, God does not listen to the prayers of the unrighteous. God does not listen to prayers of those people who are outside, if you call it a sheep pen. They are outside the sheep pen. He doesn't listen to them. God is a father. He's a father to those who have believed in Jesus Christ. And it's only these ones who can pray. Remember, the context is, it's the disciples asking Jesus, how should we pray? And Jesus is responding to the question from his disciples, how they should pray. And he says, pray like this, our Father. Now let's see, what are the characteristics of this Father we are told to pray to? According to the prayer, one thing we are told is, is that this Father is in heaven. That's one thing. This father is in heaven. He's not in on the earth. And one thing, when he says heaven, Isaiah, in Isaiah 66, Isaiah reminds us of this, that heaven is the throne room of God. That in heaven, in Revelation 4, we are given heaven as a place where we have God's throne, where God reigns and rules over all things, where God executes his power from heaven. And the idea Jesus is giving us when he says, our father who is in heaven, is that he reigns, he's a father who rules, he has created all things, everything is under him. In Colossians 1, we are reminded about Jesus. And we are told that nothing came to be without him. And everything that is there is there for his own glory. And he makes it to move and he sustains the entire creation. In John 1, we are also reminded about Jesus when we are reminded that nothing came to be that is there. So when he says God, the Father is in heaven, one, he has authority. He rules. Your father is not a mere human being. Your father is not someone who is there today, tomorrow is not there. He can be, over, he can be overruled by his decision. He's a father who rules. Everything in, heaven, in, in this world and in heaven has come to be because of the authority of the father. But also, secondly, about heaven... The thing he says also again about heaven is that it's not only the place of ruling, but it's a place of where the Father dwells. Important for us to understand. God does not go to heaven, sneak in, sneak out. God dwells in heaven. The description of heaven in the Bible is that it is a place of holiness, Isaiah 6. It's a place where the souls of the saints, those who call the Father, go to rest. It's a place where Christians will inherit. It's a glorious place. The Father lives in a majestic splendor in heaven. So he is in heaven. He dwells in heaven. And he has authority over 
all things. In Colossians 1, he says, over all, he has authority over what? All thrones, principalities, and powers. The most powerful individual in this world you have, never known, you have ever known about, he has a lesser power compared to God. That's why all these men, they have lived, they have died. Hitler was there, he's no more. And what God does to them, he even ashams them in their own power, in their greediness of the things of the world. He ashams them. This father has authority. This father knows each and every one of his children. None of his children, can, none of those who are not his, can pretend to be his. He knows all of them. He knows them by name. He knows them by appearance. He knows even the, the number of hair on their head. He knows their circumstances. He allows good and bad situation in their circumstances for the glory of his name. He sustains them when things are tough. He provides and gives them comfort to enjoy even in this world. At, at times, not every time. They are described in Romans 8 as the heirs of the kingdom of God. Heirs together with Jesus Christ. And yet, Paul says in Romans 8, they must suffer in this world for the honor of the name of their father. But also he says this, this father also, he has worked out our salvation. When you look at what it says, he has worked out our salvation. And that's why we can refer to him as the father. He has planned our salvation. He has accomplished our salvation. He applies our salvation. He consummates our salvation. As Jonah 2, 9 says, the work of salvation is the father's work. It's not the work of a man. You don't come to become a Christian because of your own good works. Ephesians 2, 8 to 9, we are saved by grace through faith in Christ. And this faith is not yours. It's a gift from God. There is no inch of salvation that God leaves to you to accomplish for yourself. You will never go to heaven by even a 0.0% of your works added to what Jesus has done. What Christ has done for us in his life, in his death, in his resurrection and ascension, and in his coming back, God has secured all his beloved. God has secured all our salvation. We are eternally secure in the hands of the Father, and no one can pluck us out of those hands. These are the ones God refers to as his own children. He has not only given us salvation in the prayer we are reminded, he cares for his children. He cares for them very much. Sometimes we live in this world thinking we are saved, but some days God doesn't care about us. Jesus says in Luke 11, if you evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How can God give you something you have not asked for? And even in the climax, he says, if you ask him of the Holy Spirit, would he not give the Holy Spirit to you? Now, Jesus is relating to salvation. Because all those who have been given the Holy Spirit are the children of God. 
So you don't have to meander around, be taken captive by false teachers that they want to feel the spirit in you. No. Just saying, if you ask the Father for the spirit, he will give you the Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying, if you ask the Father to save you, he will save you. That's the Father that we have. Every Christian who is a believer has the Holy Spirit in him. 1 Corinthians 6, don't you know you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? You don't need to be filled with the Holy Spirit because God gave you the Holy Spirit the moment you believed in Jesus Christ. And that's why you are a child of God because you have the Holy Spirit in you. As Paul says in Romans 8, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you don't belong to Christ. So the Father cares for us. He cares for our salvation. He provides for us our daily needs. That's why he says in verse 12, verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. He cares for his children. God cares that you have a meal today. Some of us, sometimes we think, God, you know, my eating is not, is not part of what God cares for me. And sometimes, some of us, when you have, you know breakfast, you will have, lunch, you will have, supper, you will have, we don't even ask for that. We think it's all well. There are people who have food, but eating is a problem, isn't it? This God cares that I have a meal. He cares that I have a roof over my head. He cares that I don't walk naked. But then, remember also as I say that, don't say he cares for me to have all the riches of the world. No. He cares that you have that which is basic for your life as a Christian and for you to be able to help other Christians. It's unfortunate that we get into greediness. We get into amassing wealth by ourselves. We want this, we want that, we want everything. And then we, if we don't get these things, we become frustrated. Remember what James says, you don't have because you don't pray. But even when you pray, you pray amiss because you want to spend it on your own pleasures. That's why God doesn't give it to you. God will not give you that which is going to kill you and pluck you away from him. He won't. The many things we ask God, we are, not, we are very unreasonable. You know, you are like a son. You know, my son, Georgius. When, I, when we go every day, we are going at home. Biscuit. Nipe biscuit. Kunabaridi nipe ice cream nikule. And you know very well who atenda gonjeka. Nipatia gari niendeshe kidogo. Uweza atafikia uko kwa pedos. Is asking a biscuit wrong? No. It's not wrong. But it's not the ideal for that time, isn't it? It will destroy his health. And I won't give it. God cares. That's why the writer to the Hebrews reminds us, God cares. He's a father. He disciplines even us because we are his. He has a right over us. Paul says you have been bought for a price and this price is the death of Jesus Christ. He owns you. You are his slave. He owns you. He is the master. 
Some people don't want the word slave because it, seems, it sounds bad, isn't it? They say, no, I'm not a slave, I'm a child. You are a slave child. <laughs> he owns you. He owns every bit of you. He owns everything you have. He owns everything you want to possess. It is his. The silver and the gold belongs to who? To the father. The cattle of a thousand hill, they belong to the father. He distributes his things as he wishes. No need for us to be envious about others. When you are envious, you are telling the father you are very unfair. I know the Bible says he does not show what? Partiality. You are accusing a holy and a just father of impartiality. Look into your heart. He cares that you feed, but also he cares for your own welfare, for your security. Look at what he says in verse 11. Actually, verse 13. Forgive, lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. He cares for your own security. He cares that you are alive today. Don't think you are alive because you are not sick. Or because you don't have a sickness that you are suffering from. You are alive. You are healthy today. Because the Father has pleased that you are to be so. Today there are many people who wanted to see today. They were very healthy yesterday when they went to bed. But they never woke up. Do you think you are a more of a righteous person than those Christians who have died in the same way? No. It's God who has pleased that you be alive today. You would be alive and be here today. Don't start telling us, I have come to please you. You have not come to please anybody here. You have come to worship God. And if you came to please anyone here, you are in the wrong place. God cares. As he cares also for our own security, he has not guaranteed it, guaranteed 100% in this world that nothing bad will ever happen to us. Remember, he cares for our souls. That's why he has eternally secured our souls to enter heaven. No matter what, Romans 8 from verse 29, no matter what, our souls have been secured. The devil cannot pluck you from the hands of God. The business of saying, nilikuwa meokoka 10 years back, na saisi jaokoka. Wewe ujai wakoka. Ulikuwa mtu mzuri mzuri labda kidogo. Ujai wakoka. Hakuna mtu ambaye anashikwa na baba hivi, alafu shetani akuja mungowa mpereke. Iye wezekani. Christian, sometimes we can, we can fall into sin, even we can do worse sin than non-believers. For example, the sins that our brother David fall in in the Bible, there are people today, they will tell you, Sijai fanya hiyo kitu, mimi ndio naenda binguni. No! No! The psalmist reminds us, a righteous man can fall 70, 70 times, but he will do it. He will rise up. David did not die in his sin. To some who think salvation is by morality, they will tell you, David is in hell. He committed the greatest sins in the world. He murdered somebody's husband and he stole somebody's wife. But the Lord has put that example for us not to go the way of David. Why? There were repercussions for that. Great repercussions if you read the story of David. Great repercussions. So God is warning us, don't go the way of your brother. But also God is showing us, you are vulnerable. You are vulnerable. 
You can commit sin any time if you are careless. None of us here is a superhuman being. You are not. Jesus commands us to be perfect. We will not attain perfection in this world until we get into glory. We will fall into sin if we are careless. We don't put our eyes to Jesus. We are careless in how we behave, what we talk, the company we keep. Bad company corrupts good morals. If I'm a Christian and my best friends are unbelievers, they are drunkards, they are, they are prostitutes, you will. Don't, don't deceive yourself. They will sweep you. You will be like them. The English word says what? Birds of the same feather walk together. If you are a believer, why do you hate the company of believers? Unless you are not a believer. Why do you have to spend multiple, multiple hours a day with non-believers? And you are not telling them about the Jesus. You are just in politics. BBI. And these are things people are talking about. They are eating all your time. You, you, you want to go to those groups who talk about those things, but you don't want to be with God's people. I'm telling you, you are walking on a, on, on, on a dangerous ground. You will fall into sin. You will fall into sin. But remember also, as I said, the Father has not said you will never. The Father is not saying you will never get bad things. Christians can die of violence. So don't say, the pastor told us on Sunday, Christians are firmly held by God. Nothing bad will happen to, to them. Christians can die of violence. Jesus was killed violently and is our savior. Paul was killed violently and is in heaven. Bartholomew was skinned like a goat. On first when we were having a goat, nikuwa naona vile kaya nakata. Anakata, paka nikawakumbusha. Tukiwa na iya, nikawakumbusha. Even yo Bartholomew alifanya wana. Uyo mbuza ngekua hai, na ya alifanya wakiwa hai. Uyo mbuza ngekua hai, owezi kumkata hivo. Yile vite itakuwa hapo. How much more human being, isn't it? We are sharing with Joseph how some brethren were. Those people had no mercy. They had no mercy. And yet such people were done like that. They're in heaven. They are with the Lord. Suffering is a mark and a badge of those who belong to Jesus. If you don't want to suffer for the sake of the gospel, then you don't belong to Jesus. You know what Jesus says? If you are ashamed of me in this world, I will be ashamed of you before the Father. We were joking about that and we said it is easy said than endure that thing. Kuna vile vita pia utatoa hapo ndugu. Au utakata toki kaivi, si ndio? 
Sasa so, ndio Yesu alisema lakini ujungu sitavumilia, si ndio? Or you look at your loved one ameshika hivyo, si ndio? In a moment of weakness you can be tempted to recant, isn't it? Ah! Yesu ngoja, ngoja kwanza mambo ya Yesu ngoja. Christianity, people have died for the sake of this gospel. The Father will allow these things to happen to us. If it's to happen to us to make us grow in the faith, he will allow them to come. He will allow them to come as a means of taking us to glory to be with him. He will allow these things to come. One day a pastor friend of mine told, told me Christians should not die of violence. And I said, where, did it, where is it written? You are forgetting about your Lord whom you have believed in. He was violently killed. Who are you? If Jesus was rejected and killed in that manner, who are you? What are the marks? What are the few marks of these children of God? Who call God the Father? What are their marks? Verse 9 to 10 we are told there are people who adore their Father. They adore Him. There is no Father like their Father. They are totally dependent upon this Father. In John 10, 27, they love the Word of God. They love the Bible. Psalms 119, verse 103. They love the word of God. It is sweet. It is sweet to them. It encourages them. It builds them up. It comforts them. Whatever befalls them, they see everything in the light of this sweet word of their father. Because this word, as Peter says, around Peter chapter 1 from verse 23, they are begotten by the Lord through faith in Jesus that is wrought through God's word. They love the people of God as John says in 1 John 4. They love God's people. That's their family. That's their home. That's their identity. They love to be where God's people are. Sometimes you got to ask yourself how much do you love the Sunday when God's people are meeting together? How much do you run when you hear a brother and a sister is in need? All is rejoicing because Romans 12 says, rejoice with those who are rejoicing, mourn with those who are mourning. Do you love God's people? Is your love you are loving with mouth or you are loving also in deed? Some people don't. Unfortunately, you hear Christians saying, unajua kika karibu na watu wa mungu kila sawa na kwambia tu vitu za mungu. Wana stories zingine? Hawakwambii biashara vile utaendelea katika hii dunia, hawakwambii ufungue business, hawakuelezei vile fashion ya squeeze na kaje utavaa ukue mzuri. Wao wanakwambia tu Biblia tu, Biblia tu. You have a problem with your heart. There is a problem with your heart. Why? The word of God gathers us as his people. The word of God is the word of God defines how even we relate to non-believers. When you see people running away and stepping aside away from God's people, there is a sin. There is a sin that has knocked the door and sin probably has already entered in. When Jesus reminds us, you are the light of the world, Jesus is serious that the people of God, God's people, are living truthfully. Their consciences do not convict them do not haunt them. 
Why? Because they have a clear conscience before God. How much do you love God's people? Colossians 3, 1 to 16, they continuously kill sin in their lives. They don't say they are not at home with sin. They don't say, you know, I'm still uh, struggling. You know, uh, no. They labor to kill sin. They call sin what it is. They might be struggling with it, but they call it what it is. They fight it. They read the word. They give themselves to the means by which they are to kill sin. Sometimes we do this, all of us, including myself. You pray, for example, you tell God, oh dear Lord, I don't want to lie again. Fair enough. But then we're exposing ourselves to circumstances that I would lead us to do out, to lie. That's not a genuine prayer. If somebody's telling, oh God, kill lust in me. Lord, help me to kill lust in me. Yet, you are exposing yourself to circumstances that will ignite that lust in you. That's not a genuine prayer. We pray on our knees, but also we look with our eyes and stay away. That's what Joseph did. Joseph did not say, oh Lord, look at Potiphar's wife, what he's trying to do, please Lord. Please help me that I do nothing with Potiphar's wife. But then he remains there embracing Potiphar's wife or entertaining the words of Potiphar's wife. What did Joseph do? He ran. He ran. Stay away as you pray to kill sin. Stay away from circumstances that lead you into sin. Keep your distance. You'll be called a fool. You lose friends, but you will honor God. What are their privileges? What do we enjoy as God's children? What are the privileges of those who have God as their father? Who are really God's children? One, we are told in Ephesians 1 from verse 13, we have the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus says in Luke 11. If you ask him of the Holy Spirit, he will give you. Who is the Holy Spirit? It's God himself. God dwelling in man, making a house in our lives. On a day-to-day -day life we live, God is in us. Isn't that a privilege? That the almighty, sovereign, powerful God has a temple in you? That you don't have to be told, come, we feel you. I don't know what I'm feeling in any. We have also, we are safely guarded by the Lord. Paul says in, one Corinth, in, one, in Philippians 1.6, He was led a good work in you. He will surely bring it to pass. Why? Because he has given you the Holy Spirit as the guarantor or guarantee that what he has begun, he has saved you and he will surely take you to heaven. They also enjoy the privilege of suffering. They also enjoy the privilege of suffering. If you look at how God's people talked about suffering in the Bible, you'll be like, wow. It seems these people are talking about something that is impossible. When John is at the island of Patmos, he says, I'm here for the name of Jesus. Remember in Acts 4, when Peter, John, and James were 
clobbered because of the name of Jesus. Bible says what? They went home rejoicing, for they saw it good to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. It was worthy. How many of us, you miss a meal a day? You complain as if you have never eaten since you were born. You miss fair to go to work. You complain as if the work has been taken away. You have a job. It might not be giving you much that you need, but you are always complaining. Complaining, complaining as if you don't have a job. You want more, and you want more, and you want more, and you don't want to hear anything about suffering for Jesus. One of the great marks of a man who has been called in ministry, even as we think about eldership, is this. That this man is willing to put down what he calls good and enjoyment and comfort for the sake of the church of Jesus Christ. People are not just theologically good. They speak good theology. Amen. We want people to speak good theology and they believe and they do that. But also we want people who suffer for the sake of Jesus. How do we suffer for the sake of Jesus? We suffer for his people. We suffer to bring the gospel to his people. As we, take about, we talk about Maureen, we suffer to go in a place you know nobody, you have no relative at all. And you know you can even, even be slaughtered there. But you say, I will still do what? Go. People read books about people like Jim Elliot. And they are like, wow, I want to be a missionary. Are you willing to die as he died? Are you willing to suffer like they suffered? People read good books. Piper writes good books on missionary, good sermons on mission. And oh, I want to be a missionary. Remember what Jesus says in Luke 4. Count the cost. Count the cost. Mission is not for wimps. Ministry is not for wimps. This is real stuff. This is death and life. We don't come to ministry to enjoy and be rich. We come to suffer for Christ. We come to give everything for the name of Jesus. To be heard by people. To grow people in Christianity. To love God's people. To see them becoming like Jesus. That is the business of ministry. It's not about you. It's not about you who you are going to be in this world. It's not about you to enjoy life in this world. Ultimately, the richest in this world and the poorest, they will meet one day. The grave is waiting for them. The grave is waiting for everybody. And you will leave everything you have ever given your power and your knowledge and your strength on. You will leave it. And then you will have to stand before a holy and a just God. Oh, unto you, if you will stand before God without Jesus. Do not be comfortable just because you have believed in Jesus. But you have to, you have to ask yourself, are you living for Jesus? Their destiny is heaven. They are going to heaven. That's where they are, Revelation 6. That's where they are enjoying life with God. But ultimately, their destiny is going to be the new earth 
in Revelation 3, they will inherit the earth. This world will be changed. And the bad will be taken away, as Revelation reminds us, 21. The, the old one will be rolled and taken away. This is going to be the home of the beloved of God. But it will be a new home without sin, without effects of sin. We will enjoy life with God forever. For the non-believers. As Isaiah, Isaiah writes in Isaiah 9, 14. And he says, Shell, hell, heads is waiting for you. It's stirred up to meet you. It's happy to meet you. You who has rejected Jesus because of the comfort of this world. Remember Demas, Paul's friend. And Paul cries and says, Demas has left me and he has gone back to the world. Demas loved the world. He loved the things of this world. Demas never adhered to the command of the Lord in 1 John 2. Do not love the world or the things of this world. If you love the world and its things, the love of the Father is not in you. You can profess to be of Jesus. You can seem to be going to church every Sunday. You can do the things people do, but if you don't depend entirely on Jesus alone for your salvation, you will not enter heaven. You won't. You'll enter your own, which is hell. Brothers and sisters, the sonship, the teaching on the sonship in the Bible has been forgotten among many people. People zealously trying to work themselves into heaven. Even those who are Christian, they are zealously trying to work themselves into heaven. And some of the Christians, they have forgotten their sonship and they have given in to the pressures of the world. They have turned, they are turning their back to their call as sons of God. For those of us who have children, we know what it means to be a father. We know what it means to be a father. Why? Because if you, if you are once a father, you are always what? A father. Hata hakuwe na miaka 50, we bado ni baba ya, baba yake. We never outgrow fatherhood. Never. Hata kikufa, when you give history, you always say what? Mutoto wangu mumoja alifaa nini? Alikufa. We never outgrow fatherhood. God never outgrows his fatherhood. He's always a father. He will always be a father. And eternally he will remain what? A father. We all as fathers and mothers, we want our children to respond to us in obedience. When your child raises up against you with a voice, you're like, Unaniambia nini wewe? Today in the morning, I was telling Benji we were late because we were, we were at war in the house dealing with the parenting issues. You have woken up with a good mind to go to church but a daughter and a son misbehaves. We don't say wait to talk at church because I believe part of obedience to God is also to discipline my child not to postpone discipline. Because they are my children we deal, I will deal with them. I will not let them say, Oh, unajua sasa mekua mtu mkubwa. Hakuna. When they are 50, they will always come back to me. If I'm, I'm, nitakua, nitakua, 
baba dadi what are you what, unasema nini hata niambia wewe unajua nimekuwa mtu mkubwa unaniambia nini hakuna i will still be a father this world today is teaching people badly that bora tumetoka kwa nyumba ya baba yako na mama yako you don't have any responsibility in obedience to them that is wrong your parent remains your parent whether she's bad or good she remains your parent and we know all of us we have come from families that sometimes in the desire and the quest of our parents to bring us up they have made bad decisions they have made decisions which are not good they have frustrated us but they remain to be your parents upende uspende when you appear somewhere you never came from heaven pap hapa chini you always talk about who brought you into this world your father your mother whether he's a drunkard whether he's what remains your father and i hope we christians as imitating that fatherhoodness of god we can always also as children to our fathers do the same unto our mothers Ephesians 4 children obey your parents that and say children obey your parents when you are 20 years after you are 50 don't obey them no they are sinners they have done bad things probably but they still remain and for us to imitate the good the goodness of the father to even to our own children is always to be there when they sin we guide them as benji is going through parenting we will see that that my child if they frustrate me i don't say kwanzia leo talk hapa sikutaki i will disown you disowning is not true it will never happen because nobody came into this world by just popping up from the from from the land you disown but you are still the what the father unaweza kuanyima inheritance but you are still the what the father so let us learn to lie to ourselves Let us encourage our parents. They might have made bad, bad decisions, spoken bad, bad words in their quest to raise you up. But they are your parents. He's your father, he's your mother. But those relationships also remind us what? There is an eternal holy father. In all his goodness he wants good for us. That yes, an earthly father will let you down. I will let my children down. I will sometimes even exasperate them. But I tell them look to God. He's a holy God. As Benjamin said in the morning in, in Exodus 2 when the, the, the when when uh, Potiphar's daughter finds Moses take this dot take this son nurse him for me and i will give you reward that's the same thing god is telling all parents those children are not yours you are just a custodian of your children they belong to who to the father but those of us who have come to jesus and we have been accepted by the lord we are his children don't let the devil rob that away from you you are a child of god and that cannot change despite your circumstances it can't change if you are happy today and tomorrow you are sorrowful it doesn't change if you are poor today and tomorrow you are rich it doesn't change it never changed to lazarus it never changed to abraham it will not change with you if you have trusted in christ and you are a child of god and i hope as we live in this world this can encourage us in our days today life it can encourage us a lot 
That even as we approach God in prayer, it can encourage us. No, 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 verse goes to his father jumping up and down and shouting, no. We go to our fathers in Aheshima. So we go to God the same way. Don't go to him that he may save you. Go to him because you are his child. Don't go to him to earn blessings because he has already blessed you with all things. Go to him because he has blessed you. Have that confidence. Remember, he's a father who rules and reigns. He has sovereign over all things. That's great confidence. So may the Lord help all of us, including myself, that this sonship is not robbed away from us. And as it's not robbed away, but also an understanding that we are part of a family. I'm not the only son. We are sons and daughters. And so God has called us to live together in that good and great family, God being our father. And that we must live our lives clearly displaying that fatherhood of God among ourselves. And that we are sons and daughters of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for saving us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for giving us Jesus, our big brother. Lord, how we pray that may this understanding of we being your children be something that really we hold fast to, even in our prayers. Lord, that the devil would not rob, rob this truth away from us. That we are sons. And as we live our lives in this world, to live in understanding that in Christ alone, we have earned this blessing. And so let us not do to earn, but let's do because we have already earned the Lord. Oh, make this Lord to come alive in each and every one of us here today. in our homes, in our place of work, in our discussions, and in, in everything, that, Lord, we are your children. May we always burst in praise, whatever we do, that we may do it to the honor and glory of your name, Lord. In Jesus' name we do pray.